we're always creating, choosing, and attracting our reality, even the crummy stuff. When we start accepting that we're creating, choosing, attracting the crummy stuff, then we actually start to be able to do something about it and actually have the ability to respond. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Christopher Avery. How are you doing, sir? I am free, powerful, and at choice, Michelle. How are you? <laughs> doing fabulous. So give everybody kind of the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yes. So I am likely the world's leading expert on how personal responsibility works in the mind and how that affects uh, self-leadership and leadership as I've been working as a, as a management uh, consultant for 30 some years. Nice. So how did you get into all of that? How did you get into leadership or responsibility per se? By avoiding it for so long. <laughs> so you're an expert. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my qualification. I, you know, I'm one of those guys that took eight years and three colleges to get a speech degree, uh, you know, <laughs> a bachelor of arts. Um, and, uh, you know, I just wasn't in a hurry. Uh, I, uh, I got a good job after, after those eight years in college uh, and started working. And uh, my only role model for going to work was my dad, who was outwardly successful, but inwardly came home tired and sore every day and pissed off and, you know, had stress-related diseases. And, uh, and I was, you know, thinking about this, my early 20s and setting up a sales territory in, in California, my first job, and a professor called me and said, you want to come back for a master's degree? <laughs> and then, uh, and then you can go to any PhD program in the world that you want to go to. So I, I, I aced my graduate record exams. And I saw that as an opportunity to continue to avoid having to make decisions and take responsibility, go be a poor grad student. So I did that. And, um, you know, at the end of the PhD program, I found myself working in uh, a really cool technology forecasting company. And I was their token social scientist interested in entrepreneurship and creativity and innovation and stuff like that. And, um, and you know, it was there that I picked up consulting chops and started, you know, learned how to do presentations and workshops and seminars. And, um, and that was it. It took off. I didn't want to be a professor. I wanted, I wanted the doctorate, but I didn't want to be a professor. I wanted to go back and work in the industry and um, heal my father probably was, <laughs> was motivation. Nice. I uh, love it. And I think it's kind of ironic that you think that that was the lesser path when traditionally most people would think that that's the higher, harder road to go. Well, you know, it was, let's, let's just say it was easy. It was easy. <laughs> oh, to go it's back easy. To... Let's not do that. Let's do it another way. You are definitely built to be an entrepreneur, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. 
<laughs> awesome. uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki uh, says that um, uh, entrepreneurs are the C and D students. They're lazy and they sit around uh, until they think of a way to design a system that throws off cash, right? And then they hire A and B students <laughs> to run it for them because they need to be pointed to the gold star. I love that. So talk to me about responsibility. Why did that become your niche market? And, you know, and how do you thrive in that arena? Let's go. With yeah, that. thank you so much. Hmm. Um, so my first big opportunity uh, to do my own workshop design thing came from IBM that was looking for a way to teach software project leaders how to lead teams. Mm -hmm. This is a long time ago. And uh, I worked with a couple of colleagues and we created a three-day seminar and we knocked it out of the park. And I knew after the very first one, it was going to be a big deal. It was one of those moments in your life when you just knew and you were willing to risk everything on it. And so I was still employed at this consulting firm. And I went in the next day after coming home and I told the boss that I said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to take your client and I'm going to take your intellectual property that you paid for me to design. So we need to work out a spin out arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and How we did. Fly? <laughs> that went great. Oh, good. We did. Yeah, it went great. We did. And uh, we're still friends. Oh, nice. Um, we're still friends today. I've paid him a lot of money for the next few years. Uh, but that was the start of my company, which today is called the Responsibility Company. And to answer your question, um, I was trying to figure out how to teach these techies uh, shared responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so I, I needed to understand the concepts of responsibility, personal responsibility. Where does it come from? Um, you know, society and my parents told me that you either have it or you don't. And if you want to get something done, you better ask somebody who has it uh, to do it for you. But, you know, in my work, I saw it emerging right there in front of me when, you know, when the lights would come on for somebody and they'd take ownership. And I define, uh, I define a team as when a group of people step up to the opportunity afforded by a shared responsibility, right? Which doesn't happen all the time. And when it does happen, it's magic. Uh, so I went in search of understanding responsibility and I found a little research program that was being done by two really bright guys with research, scientific research chops, but they weren't in the university and they were just listening to how their clients talked about being stuck or not being able to have what they wanted. And they just separately, hundreds of miles apart, they each started writing down these words that accounted for mental states or mindset or attitude or point of view, whatever you want to call it. And uh, when I saw it, uh, it was just called the responsibility chart at that time. Uh, it blew my mind. And uh, I just, it was exactly what I was looking for in terms of helping people understand how human beings process thoughts about taking or avoiding responsibility it turns out we're all really really good at avoiding responsibility what Even it's not just me <laughs> Pardon, not just you well so we're you know we're, we're taught to we're taught to be people of good character so we call that being responsible mm -hmm. but there's millions of people around this world who are of good character so they can i check the box you know you are a responsible person 
but they're not taking 100% responsibility for their lives and especially for being stuck, right? They're blaming, they're victimizing, they've got stories out the wazoo, they're justifying. They have all kinds of shame, guilt programs running that keep them stuck or they're stuck in the burden uh, or trap of obligation uh, you know, where that keeps them grinding away and and uh, and causing burnout. So, absolutely. So, I mean, in my definition, obligation is responsibility with guilt, if you want to put it that way. Because to me, when somebody feels responsible for something, responsibility when you're five is fun. Like you get to be responsible for the house key. Oh my God, this is fantastic. This is amazing. This is like, I'm a big kid now. This is, I'm responsible for this. And I think if you ever lose those keys, <laughs> parents start freaking out on you. And then there's a lot of shame and there's guilt. And then all of a sudden this word responsibility has a terrible connotation to it. But we either, you know, have to prove that we're good enough and we feel obligated or we feel like crap and we're not good enough. So we quit. So... that's been my experience in therapy with clients that, you know, they, they've lost that joie de vivre in the word responsibility and it's become a toxic word. Yes. And what you describe is the responsibility process. And cool. Tell me more. Yes. (laughs) What did I trip on? (laughs) So so here on, well, you've used all my favorite words here. So so, um, if you're listening and not watching, the responsibility process is a stack of words. And I'm going to give you six words. Starting at the bottom is lay blame. So it's not a word, it's a phrase. Above lay blame is justify. Above justify is shame. Um, Maybe I'll just give you five words. Above shame is obligation. And then draw a line above obligation in your mind and the word responsibility. So blame, justify, shame, obligation, responsibility. So every time something goes wrong, here's what the psychology of responsibility shows. Every time something goes wrong, you have a little bit, little burst of anxiety or frustration in your mind. And the responsibility process gets triggered and your mind takes you right to blame. Who did this to me, right? Honey, where did you put my keys? (laughs) Somebody. Yeah. Somebody who shares your name. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you accept that answer that your mind automatically handed you, then you use your intellect to prove that somebody else has to change for you to be happy. Right. So you stay in lay blame. If you choose to not stay in lay blame, you know, if you say to your mind, nah, I'm not going to go there then your mind goes up one step to justify. And, you know, it says, well, you know, it's, you shouldn't be in such of a hurry or it's the weather or it's the traffic or, you know, the house is poorly designed. No wonder you laid your keys down somewhere. So justify is just all of our stories. You know, what most people call drama and we're all really, really good at justifying. And, you know, you would think that smart, educated, ambitious people would learn to get past blame and justify no, i see you're shaking your head <laughs> no no yeah. no no that's yeah, here's not the way that works <laughs> no here's the truth the smarter you are the better stories we make up <laughs> yeah the smarter we are the better we are at blame and justify so 
if you decide to not justify, then you graduate to another mental state called shame, often experienced as guilt. You know, I'm a dummy, I'm an adult. You know, I, I'm the five-year-old who lost the house key. Um, and again, with all of these mental states, we can stay there for a second or a minute or an hour or a decade or a lifetime, or we can get off of it. And that's the magic of this research. And it's the magic of this tool as a personal leadership tool is to realize that I'm always subject to all of these mental states, right? I've been practicing this for 20 some years. Every time something goes wrong, I still go to blame. So you never get over it. Uh, you, you don't get to delete these mental states out of your mind. The magic is becoming aware of it and choosing whether or not you want to stay there, in which case you're powerless, or if you want to get off of it, in which case you move towards huge power. So above shame is obligation. Shame and obligation are what most people equate responsibility as being. That's part of your story, uh, Michelle, right? Is it, it's heavy, it feels heavy, right? It's a burden. Um, and society treats shame and obligation as responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. So if you make a mistake and you're beating yourself up in front of others, they say, oh, good girl, she's taking responsibility. Right? I no longer believe that because I define responsibility right. as owning your power and ability to create, choose and attract your reality, mm. right? And that means we're always creating, choosing and attracting our reality, even the crummy stuff when we start accepting that we're creating, choosing, attracting the crummy stuff, then we actually start to be able to do something about it and actually have the ability to respond. So, um, so you know, obligation especially, you know, I see so many people trapped in lives uh, that they don't know how to get there and they don't know how to change it. Um, and, you know, it's because all their lives they were motivated by shame and obligation um, and they were taught that that meant being good, doing what you're supposed to do, even if you despise it. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so many people end up in careers that they despise um, mm -hmm. because of that. And I think if we were just to talk about leadership in a company, because we do have, I believe we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this that are very rebellious in their nature. <laughs> going like, no, no, I don't feel obligated to be, I don't feel guilt. It's like, mm, really? <laughs> Let, let's look at your PL statement. Really, let's look at and then and at your teams and how they approach you and how your team meetings go and and how you run them and start to articulate how much of this shame and obligation are seeping into their everyday lives and they don't even notice it. Absolutely. Or how much are you blaming your team or your employees. <laughs> if I just had better employees, my company right. would be great. <laughs> the, the, the number one coping mechanism in organizations is management blames employees and employees blame management. Um, and it makes us all get some ego juice while we're doing it, but it never solves a problem. So when I'm working with the owner or with the CEO, um, I only take mentoring, you know, mentoring role with them if they will first make the agreement that we're gonna stop blaming the people right now. 
and realize that, that we own the system. They say, well, what if I inherited it? I say, you campaigned for it. <laughs> you, yeah, you <laughs> bought that or <laughs> somehow, right. some way it's your reality. <laughs> yeah, it's your system, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's the question is, in terms of the system, the question is, how did you attract those people to you? How did you select them? How did you train them? And how have you been reinforcing them all of these years to be just the way you're complaining about them being? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people have an issue with the word attract because it too has got a lot of woo-woo connotations to it in the last few years, which drives me crazy. However, I get that. And talk to me from a kind of how you talk to your clients from a psychological point of view, from, from a reality point of view. It's like, you either bought that company, which existed exactly the same way 10 days ago as it is right now. <laughs> so you knew what you were yes. getting into somehow, yes. or you hired them and you hired the HR person who hired them. So like, and you interviewed them or somebody that you hired interviewed them. Like to me, it's, it's obvious how that chain reaction happens, but in your opinion or in your experience, how do you explain to somebody that, everything that is a reality in their life is based on a decision that they made at some point in time. Um, I explain it this way, Michelle. So their experience of reality comes through filters. Those filters were either adopted or chosen as, as we all grew up. Right. And so taking responsibility for your world, for your life, taking charge of your life means taking responsibility for your mind. And it means to start taking out the garbage that you have accumulated over all the years, these filters through which you're looking at things. So if you look again at this list, this stack of words below the line, all of these mental states have very simplistic cause effect logic. They're shortcuts. And once you understand the simplistic cause effect logic, it's, um, it looks stupid and silly. Uh, so our lives are actually much more complex than that. So in the mental state of responsibility, we have access to much more complex reasoning and much more system, you know, systematic or systems thinking. Uh, in the mental state of responsibility, where below the line, it's just cause and effect. So the way I explain it to my clients is that I'm going to, you know, be their mentor and help them uh, create an intention to operate from the mental state of responsibility. So that's the first step. Intention is the first key to responsibility. And there's two parts to that. One is I'm going to get to responsibility around everything that pisses me off. And the second part to that is the practice of, of intention. What do I want, right? What do I want to create and have in my life? The second key is awareness, right? As, as your mentor, I'm going to help you become more and more and more aware of how your mind is operating uh, and help you be more aware of each of these mental states uh, and who you're being when you're in those mental states. And then the second, that's the baby step for awareness. The, the adult step for awareness has become more and more aware of the lies that 
you know, that I've packed into my head over the time and, and start pulling those out and replace them with truths and understandings. Um, and the third key is called confront, which sounds like a harsh word, but confront has two meanings in the dictionary. One is about being aggressive towards another. The other meaning is just the ability to face, right? Just the ability to face yourself, face your anxiety and, and look in your mind and see what's going on. So that's what I tell my clients. And I can usually help them have huge breakthroughs really rapidly. Uh, and they get the value of this. They start seeing their mind differently. Uh, and then we're off and running. Nice. I love that. Well, and so in, in the context of the work that you do, talk to me about this justification, because to me, I see a lot of people using justification as their so-called truth. This is true because I've justified it for so long. <laughs> kind of is, is how it comes along. But how does that happen for people? How does it become so... Um, alluring so elusive so concrete in their mind that this is truth and how do we break out of that well the simple answer is repetition they've they've leaned on that crutch for years and years and years so for instance there's a difference between my back is hurting me today and i have a bad back it's a huge difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. One's yeah. temporary, one's long-term, one's an ownership, one's not. Like there, there are so many angles I could go with that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on disability. I'm on limited income. I'm this, I'm that. Yeah, people, people own these crutches and, and it limits them. So they, own, they, they declare being limited and by golly, they are limited. Um, and, you know, it's, the truth is there's nothing wrong with them. The truth is that the responsibility process is a natural process. It's the way the mind works. You're not bad or wrong for blaming or for justifying. You're human if you do it. Um, and so part of also what I teach is let's get off of the good, bad, right, wrong. <laughs> what? We're human? What? Around this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I thought I'd outgrow that eventually. And I thought you were going to talk about the difference between justify and explaining. Oh, sure. So, Let's go there. That's a good one, too. Right. So I work with, you know, lots of engineers. I work with technical communities so much. And uh, and they're so good at justifying <laughs> because, <laughs> because they've been taught critical thinking and analysis um, and to locate the problem out there, not in here, out there. Uh, and you can always tell, uh, you know, somebody says, I, I just, it's just explaining, I'm just explaining, <laughs> uh, justify. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, and I think it becomes, it becomes so, and I don't know if elusive is the word I'm looking for or not, but it, it's really tricky. Like we get into, even if we're going through the layers of justification, then all of a sudden it's like our brain turns a left field and, are down this left path and all of a sudden we're we're doing things where we think we're right but really we're just again justifying like <laughs> it's almost like we have to get to a point where we realize that we're not right about anything to be able to go okay what am i really right about 
am I right or am I <laughs> have I taken a little too far? Well, for me, uh, you know, if I were your mentor, I would invite you to let go of the right wrong. And <laughs> it's been very well ingrained in my family. Yeah, you. <laughs> all of us, every one of us. Right? So the thing is that right wrong thinking keeps us below the line. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've been taught our whole lives when something goes wrong to ask, what should I do? Right. What's the right answer? Can I get a list of best practices, please? Yeah. And, right. and those things lead us to shame and obligation. And the most brilliant question that I've ever found, especially when we're in a position of something going wrong, or we've got some anxious about anxiety about something or stuck is, oh, look at this mess. What do I want about this? Right. Nice. And the, re the reason is that in the mental state of responsibility is your unique genius and your unique inspiration. And that means that's where your unique, highly satisfying answers come from. They don't come from out there anywhere. They come from asking yourself, wow, what do I want about this? Or in a team, wow, look at this mess hole we just got ourselves in. <laughs> what do we want about this? You know, that invites us to the ability to respond. I love that. Well, and I have always, thank you. Um, I haven't always. In our training, we taught that chaos precedes order. So when you set the intention that you want something that is beyond what you have right now, and you don't know how to achieve it, it's true goal. And everything is going to have to become an upheaval first before it goes back to order again. It's kind of like renovating your bedroom. You've got to throw the bed out of the, in the hall and the dressers and the closet and everything has to be in complete mayhem and rip out the floors and rip out the walls or whatever you're doing. And then you get to put it all back in the way you want it. And you know, everything becomes the new and improved way of looking at it. But I think people get really frustrated when they've set the intention that, hey, I'm going, I'm going to <laughs> be accountable for my decisions from now on. And it's not a smooth path. Like, what the hell? I've just done all this work. Why is this happening? And it's like, well, it's part of the process. It's, you, you can't avoid that. Part of the process. It's got lots and lots of different explanations. The Satir called it the J-curve. Spiral Dynamics says that you get to repeat the same, even though you're making progress, you're gonna to get to repeat the same lesson until you get every last little bit of the <laughs> bug that's still there out of it. So yeah, lots of explanations for that. Very cool. So tell us, in your work, who do you love to serve and support? Because I'm pretty sure anybody that's human qualifies, but who do you absolutely adore working with? Who's your favorite? Um, so interestingly, we, we have both a B2C and, and B2B offerings. Nice. And uh, my, you know, my favorite is the B2C stuff. My favorite is the individuals that come into our programs um, and they just blow their minds uh, so rapidly. It's like I was on a call with uh, a handful of folks yesterday and one of the guys who's been in the program for about three months says, you know, I've been doing personal growth work for 25 years, he said, but only this week did I go to work and realize that I'm surrounded by blame and justify everywhere. It's like the Macaulay Culkin kind of character in the Bruce Willis movie that says, I see dead people everywhere. 
You know, <laughs> you know it says, I, I, I live in a, in a communication sea of blame and justify. He says, this is, this is amazing. So individuals, they're mostly um, either small business owners or uh, often uh, mid-level leaders uh, in organizations, sometimes individuals. We're very, very popular with the Agile software community. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a popular teacher and speaker in, in the world of agility. Um, and, uh, and then uh, I love it when a CEO type person comes to me and says, I wanna build a team uh, based on responsibility and I wanna build an organizational culture built based on responsibility. And I, that's the only corporate consulting work that I will do is if you know a high level leader says, I wanna start one-on-one -on -one with you and then to the team and then building a culture of responsibility. And I've been able to do that a number of times throughout my career and it's very, very gratifying. Nice, I love that. That is awesome. So on that note, give us an example of a Cinderella story. Cinderella story. Um, so let me tell you about Jane. So today, Jane is in charge of a Fortune 100 company's worldwide agile change efforts. When we met, she was a project manager who already showed amazing promise because after being in gate operations in an airline for many years, she decided to go back to school and get out of gate operations and get into project management. So to set the scene, Jane was a Southern belle, right? From Southern Georgia. And she was a people pleaser. And she had typical, you know, not great self-esteem, right? And physical beauty and made it through life, you know, based on that and charm. And, uh, she ran into this material and started studying with me and she realized that of those three keys, intention, awareness, and confront, she sucked at confront. She was afraid of everybody and everything and, and of herself. Um, and she just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And after about five or six years, she had gotten a couple of promotions in that company, but she realized she got to a place where this is really cool. Uh, we deal with a lot of people that, you know, want to know, how do I get over this needing other people's approval, right? And the secret is you approve of yourself so much that you don't need theirs. Nice. So Jane got to a place where she realized that this organization wasn't going to change. And this organization didn't want what she had and the skills and tools that she developed. And so she uh, found another job at a big signing bonus and a big raise. And she worked there for about a year and then realized that they weren't totally truthful in, uh, in bringing her on and they didn't really wanna change either. And so she put herself on the market again for looking for an employer that she would never use these words, but, but I did, that deserved her, an employer that deserved her. Another big signing bonus and big raise and then a couple of more title promotions. And she says it's all because she started practicing 
responsibility thinking or, or taking personal responsibility. So she has, um, I don't know, quadrupled probably or more her salary from uh, a couple of jobs back and is the happiest she's ever been in the world and plays the most at work instead of working uh, at work. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Congratulations, Jane. We love you. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> cool. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that let's go with small business owners, CEOs might be having right now and they're thinking, oh my God, Christopher, I need you so badly right now. The stumbling blocks are that um, the stumbling blocks are that this model, this the, the responsibility process it doesn't want you to recognize it at work. Right? It wants to stay hidden. It just wants to trap you in blame and justify and shame and obligation. And it wants you to think that that's just the way it is and there's nothing I can do. So the biggest stumbling block is really the clarity of intention to get to responsibility and then the willingness to confront, you know, the willingness to look in the mirror and say, you know, okay, self, what is it that I'm not seeing here? What, what do I want that there's something to learn? And that usually means also getting help. You know? uh, so my, my mentor, a guy named Bill McCarley, who was one of the two people that built this, um, he says only the brave get to be free, right? So the mental state of responsibility is the mental state of freedom, choice, and power. So most people just want to feel safe. And so most people aren't really candidates to go to work on this. They, they don't allow themselves to be a candidate. So those the stumbling blocks are, you know, this uh, little mind that just wants to stay in denial. That's it. So that crap's going on everywhere around you. And it's like, no, no, it's, not, it's fine. It's just fashion. <laughs> Just a flesh wound. <laughs> a quote of Monty Python. All good. Right. Yes. Awesome. I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Go to responsibility.com. And right there on the homepage, there's a button that says to, uh, to take the responsibility scorecard. Click that button and then go take the responsibility scorecard. And uh, you don't have to give us your email address. Uh, all of it is free. We have a, a very, you know, no selling uh, policy and we have moved to giving away all of our DIY content. We don't have opt-in forms all over our site to get this little piece of content. Um, and if, if it provides value to you, then you can uh, give us your email address and we'll add you to the responsibility community which is a big DIY community of folks studying responsibility. Um, that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And being able to hang around people that are like-minded and moving in a direction and you can speak the same language and, you know, you don't feel like an alien when you're talking about these things. Well, that's, yeah, that's what's so cool about our programs is that we actually immerse people in a responsibility culture <laughs> so that they come to see what this fellow saw which is, wow, outside of this group of people, you know, everybody's out there full of drama and not making any progress in their own lives. Um, but uh, if I can keep you in this responsibility 
culture long enough with me and my colleagues and students, then you'll start to grow tremendous awareness and tremendous intention and tremendous confront uh, to take control of your life. All right, we love it. So I, I think we got a little bit of the story, but I want to kind of more of the turning point of at what point you knew you were that special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur. Yeah, it was that it was that day after that program that went so well. Uh, and I just knew it was going to be a big deal. Uh, I mean, I just knew it, you know, mm -hmm. I totally knew it. And, um, and that was, that was it. And it, and it was a big deal. It, you know, it, yeah. it did become something I had no problem sending all that money to my former boss uh, nice. for those next few years. Nice. Yeah. So peeps, if you have that inspiration of something that you just know in your gut is going to work, run with it. Trust me. <laughs> no, trust my Christopher. It's worth it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> even if it, even if it doesn't work, it was worth, it was worth the try. Right. Love it. So you have been awesome. Fantastic. I love spending time with you. I know I could spend all day with you, but any last words for our peeps? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Stop saying what's wrong with me. That just keeps you stuck in shame. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. All Every, awesome. Everybody gets stuck at shame. So if you're beating yourself up thinking there's something wrong with you, then the logic is there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just time to get off of shame. Yeah. Exactly. Start hanging around more of us crazies and we'll just show you how awesome you really are. <laughs> that works for me, Michelle. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. If you know anyone that would make a great guest for the show or have questions or topics you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at Michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or LinkedIn, Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.